Welcome to the Gospel of John series. Today's lesson is an overview of the Gospel of John, including a study on the purpose, power, penetration, and plan of John's Gospel by Paul Bucknell. This is produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Be sure you go to the website and find the handout or slides. As we begin the Gospel of John, we're going to find it's the most exciting book uh, some say it's the most exciting, challenging book in the whole scriptures. I don't know if you personally find that true, but I think you will find, uh, if you begin to delve into its teachings, you'll be able to understand in a wonderful way what God is doing and wants to do in our lives. What characterizes Christ uh, will shape and influence the church of God. As we go on, we're going to find that there's four particular topics we want to do as we introduce the book of John. There's the purpose of John's Gospel, the power of John's Gospel, the penetration of John's Gospel, and the plan of John's Gospel. Each of these will help introduce the Gospel of John in a special way for us so that we can better appreciate and study it. Now this isn't just for our class time. We, what we want to do is hopefully enrich your study of the Scripture. This is just one of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke are the other three. Those are called synoptic because they follow more of a historical, chronological uh, study of John. And this is also, John also is in a chronological order, the same way, begins early on. But it doesn't go through his life like the other Gospels do. If you want to understand who Jesus is, this is a great class. Uh, if you want to understand what's significant about him, this is, again, a great class. But particularly, how does Jesus supposed to influence our life? How is it supposed to impact the church? All these things are things that we want to discuss. Now let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your great love and care for us, Lord, through Jesus. You have given us, Lord, this word of God so that we could understand you, come to you, be changed and transformed into your presence. And we ask even this class, this hour, Lord, that we have together, that you would just work in your special way in our lives. Please teach us, O Lord. Spirit of God, come work in our lives. Let the truth become part of our life, integrated into our mind, our thinking, our decisions, uh, our convictions. That all the more, Lord, we might be people, men and women like Christ. Bless us in this time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so let's go on and discuss the purpose of John's gospel. When we think about why did John write this gospel? Anyone know how many chapters? 21, right? Okay, you're real quick. And, uh, you know, one of the things we look, if you take your Bibles right now, let's turn to John 20, at close to the end. It's interesting, this is one author who wrote his purpose statement at the end of the book of the book, John. If we look at John 20, verses 30 to 31, do we have anyone that could read that for us, nice and loud? Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, in, that by believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so one of the first things we notice here is in this verse 30 and 31, there's going to be two important emphases I just want to introduce. First of all, he's not talking about quantity, but quality. 
He's not, and when he's talking about signs, notice how he begins. Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed. Now, what are we talking about, many other signs? We're talking about Jesus did many other miracles. Miracles is a word very similar to signs. But signs, as you can see, has a little more strategic thinking. In other words, you're doing a miracle for a purpose. And so when John records these, does anybody know how many? Well, you never counted how many miracles or signs in the Gospel of John. Okay, we'll see if later on you can find that out. It's important because he says, there's many others also written, but I didn't write about these, John said, but these I've written, okay? Notice the difference. So he's being very purposed here. He's not, not caring just, I want to impress everybody how great Jesus was. Write all these great miracles, you know? He didn't do that. He said, no, I'm presenting several for a purpose. So basically, there's a message behind the signs. As we go through the book of John, we'll be able to notice more of what those are. The second thing is, it's not belief, but believing. Now, I want you to look a little more carefully at this verse here, verses 20 and 30 to 31. So he wrote these, and there's two things you want to look at. I think it's on your handout on the front page there if you want to follow it. There's two purpose clauses that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, number two, that believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so there's two purpose clauses, and this is where we're getting to the purpose of John's Gospel. Now, what do I mean by belief? Do you realize that in the Gospel of John, the noun belief or faith is not used? What's used? By the way, in Greek, the word belief, pistos, you might, some people might know the, the Greek from it, but uh, faith, trust, belief are all the same Greek word. We just have different English synonyms that we sometimes translate for that word, uh, that one Greek word, pistos. But it's not used at all in the Gospel of John. Now, what do we, but it, the verb form is believing. So putting our trust in, believing, casting our hope upon something, that is used so many times throughout the Gospel of John. Two times right here, in fact, in this verse 31. So, in other words, John is not interested in creating a static faith, a sense that I know Jesus came. Jesus is the Son of God, I know it. Not interested at all, is he? What is he interested in? that you have a sense of reliance upon, a trust in Jesus. In other words, as we get to know Jesus Christ, it is not something, just a, some knowledge I know about him, but it is a sense of reliance, a consistent relying upon him that begins to impact my life. And so this is what we said, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now there's two things here that we want to focus on. So first of all, it's the revelation of Christ's true nature. Who is Jesus? It's one of those questions, you know, you, you might think of, well, who is he? Well, here, John is trying to convince us that who is he? He is the Son of God. Now you say, well, what does the Son of God mean? What do you think he's trying to say here by that, believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God? What is the implication of that word, that phrase, Son of God? It's kind of strange, right? I think more to the Western world, this, this is a little bit more strange. How can God, doesn't have a wife, has a son, you know, if you want to get, think of it down that kind of uh, linear way. 
What does the Son of God mean? Now, he's, he's going to spend the whole book trying to show us. Partly because this phrase, he's going to expand it through all the things he's going to say. Now, look, this next week is, is speaking about Christ's entry into the world. And he's going to kind of show the whole different characteristic. Yes? Well, I wish he just said Jesus is God. Okay, well, how do you link Jesus the Son of God with Jesus is God? Oh, so first of all, Jesus is Christ. He's which is another word for Messiah. Okay, so this is going back to Old Testament understanding that there would be a Messiah that would come into the world and, and bring his people back to God. This is Jesus, is this one. In other words, there aren't many. There's this one, and he's trying to identify this Jesus is the Christ. Now, we often try to put it together, Jesus Christ, like Christ is his last name. Well, that, that's not the case. Um, Christ is a title. Jesus is the Messiah. And that's what we're trying to uh, understand. Second of all, that he's the Son of God. Okay, so let's go back to Heather's question, or, you know, my question. Yes? So there's two aspects of Son. Let me just mention two at this point. There is actually a third one. The first one is that you have the same nature. My sons aren't, aren't ducks, okay? Uh, my daughters are not... You know, worms, you know, but they're people, they're individuals, right? So they're a part of the human race. So if we think there's a, a son of God, what we think of is what? He's deity, he's God. He's part, he's God's nature, he shares God's nature. This is one, one aspect. So you're sharing the same nature. Second of all, what are you doing? You're talking about resemblance, and that's what you're talking about. It's more, you can see that reflection. Oh, I know you, you're no, yeah, you're one of my children, right? You can say, hey, yeah, there's a resemblance there. Or you and your father. Yeah, he just brought you to college and said, hey, you just two look alike. I can tell you're part of the same family. Yeah, and, and, and there's this aspect of it. So there's an inherent nature as well as the outside. Now, the, the truth from this is what? That you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, but if you don't believe, wrong belief is fatal. The right belief leads to eternal life. In other words, there's a key difference in what you believe. And this is why John is so intent on this focus. He says, you know, I just spent 20 chapters writing all this. I, if you don't have it clear yet, this is why I'm writing. Okay? But it's important what you believe. And we'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to break up into small groups in a moment. But the second thing we want to notice, and that believing you may have life in his name. Regular, regularly experiencing a changed life. There's two things. You see, Christ is to be revealed so we understand who Christ is. By knowing him, then it impacts our own life. We are transformed by knowing who Christ is. We regularly experience a changed life. And this is what he says. By believing, you may have life in his name. In other words, the very life, when you come to know him, the closer you are to him, his life is in you, it animates you, it moves you, stirs you, and helps you to think like it. Christ lives in us as believers. And, and this, this, we're not too much into the doctrine stage, but really, this is expressed much more clearly in the epistles, the letters later written by the Apostle John and Paul and Peter. But here, John is uh, very clearly saying that belief without life change is not believing at all. So let's say I grew up in church. How many grew up in a church? 
Okay? So you grew up in church, and you know Jesus is the Son of God. But is it come to you to such a point that you are transformed, that you have met Christ, and he's transformed you? His life is in you. All through this series, The Purpose of John, John wants to bring us, one, introduce Christ to us in such a way that he is, we meet up with him. And meet up with him in such a way that we are transformed. This is all what we're focused on. So this is the purpose of John. Are there any questions? I just want to go back to, you said there's three words in the Greek, uh, the three belief, believing, um, what was that Greek word again? Oh, pistis is the Greek word. Mm -hmm. And there's three English synonyms. What are they? Faith, Faith trust, trust, belief. Yeah. See, the, the problem comes about believing is actually okay. The problem is, in the Western world, we think belief is, I acknowledge, I know that as a fact. Rather than the sense of belief where... I, I trust it. So there's a difference. And when we say, I'm believing something, it, it just means I know something. That, that's my faith. I go to a church, of course I believe that. I go to a mosque, of course I believe that. I go to a you know, Hindu temple, of course I believe that. But the point is, I, I'm believing it in such a way that that changes the way I live my life and I end up trusting him. Okay, there was two aspects about sharing the, the nature of, so he's God. Uh, the second of that he shares the person of. The, the, you can get to know God through Jesus. As we go through the Gospel of John, you'll see that very clearly. We don't quite understand the Trinity, how it all works together. I'm just saying that. We, we understand there's glimpses of it, this Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Son-Father aspect is more what we're talking about right now. We are just trying to grasp it a little bit, and we use these type of illustrations to help us you know, get basic, uh, essential thoughts from that relationship? That's a very theological question. Um, so in other words, if, if Jesus is a son of God, meaning that he is part of the Godhood, okay, he's, he's deity. So what does it mean when we are called the children of God? And in fact, John himself uses this phrase, children of God, so many times in the epistles of John, first John especially. So he uses that. That's his favorite writing. The key is, so does that mean we're God? Now, this is not Mormonism, okay? Well, we are never a God. The difference is this, if you understand, that we, through faith, are part of Christ. We are Christ's body. And in that sense, that we have everything that Christ has, we share his inheritance, and Christ lives in us. So in that sense, we are the children of God. Uh, we're not saying that we saints, uh, believers, become God. But we, we have Christ living in us. We are Christ, uh, part of Christ, where Christ is our head, we are his body. I hope that answers you, but it is a very complicated question, actually, a very good one. When we go into the um, Gospel of John, and we begin actually looking at the text, we'll, we'll be able to look into that more clearly. We describe, you ever hear the word logos? Uh, it means word, and the word came into the world. Okay, so we'll describe, because right there, it portrays a lot of the question that you're asking, Victor. But we'll actually look right into the text. So you're making a comment, right? So as children of God, it talks how we can be transformed more into God's image, that resemblance aspect. Very true. And I just want you to break into your groups, okay? You'll break up and you'll ask the question this. First one, what would you say to a person who says that it doesn't matter what one believes just so he's sincere? 
Second group, you do the second question. I mean, this side, you do the second question. Uh, what might you say to the person who says he once believed, but doesn't take it too seriously now? In light of what we just looked at. Okay, both these questions are written in light of John 20, verses 30 to 31. But on this left side, we ask the question, what would you say to a person who says that it doesn't matter what one believes, just so he's sincere? Yes? We didn't agree with that because, like, we were saying, you can be sincere about a lot of things, and if, if it's not the right cause, it can be really, really horrible. Like, he, he believed that he was superior, and that was an awful thing to be sincere about. So okay. It really okay, that's a great illustration. It does matter what you believe. Any other comments on this side? Let's say if what you mean by that is, you know, all religions are on the same footing, then there would be a contradiction with being sincere, because to be a sincere Jew, or to be a sincere Christian, or to be a sincere Muslim, one of these people is going to assert that the other one is wrong, and that my religion is not on the same footing. <laughs> okay. so, so I can't be both, I can't be sincere and say it doesn't matter which religion you pick. Okay, great, great. You know, and in contrast, this is, applies to the first purpose that John says. He's writing to convince us in such a way that we will be believing that Christ is, uh, Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. And when that happens, then the transformation parts. Now, this is what we're going to begin next week. So hopefully you'll be praying for this study for all of us that we might really meet with Christ in a deeper way and understand that faith that it really does Transform us. And that connects with the second question. On the right side, what might you say to the person who says he once believed but doesn't take it too seriously now? As we look at the second part, that believing you may have eternal life, that believing is a constant, regular thing. We can't put our hope in something in the past. It's something that we now are being transformed, something now we engage in, something now that we are relying on. So we can't just say, oh, I believed once, you know, my heaven issues all cleared up. It doesn't matter now. But we have to get back to what John's writing and saying that relationship we have him, it impacts us so much. It impacts our whole life. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go on now and look at the power of John's gospel. Now, I'm going to start with a question here. And you might look at the second page of your handout if you'd like. Is following Jesus, and now this is the, the, the first, okay? Is following Jesus more like being in a controlled and predictable environment such as a pool or, yeah, or is it in unknown and unpredictable ocean waters? Now, what's the difference between the two? The pool, it's safe, controllable, you can see things, it's predictable, you can't be bitten. The ocean, dangerous, uncontrollable, you can't see, very unpredictable, might be bitten. It's like being in an ocean, you know, everything is dangerous, unpredictable. But at the same time, you know that Jesus is there for you. And you can be peaceful and calm while being in Okay. Put ourselves into a, think of Christian life from the beginning as you grow. The new believer trying to, oh, you know, I have my sin. I believe in Jesus. You know, what's happening to my life? Really, from his perspective, we all agree. I, I, we understand what you're saying in terms of things are predictable from his side. But from our side, it's very unpredictable in the sense that it's like I'm stepping in the ocean, another step, another step. I'm getting deeper and deeper. There's things that are going to happen to my life that, from my experience, and I'll, yes, I am 
speaking from my own experience as growing up, as a believer, right? Each of us. There's a lot of things we don't know. It is true, though, when we gain that faith in Christ, things we can have that peace in, in reckless times. It's true. Uh, we can have that joy in, in horrible times. That, that is true. But that's speaking from the side of, I have that faith. That's that point where you came to know Jesus in such a way that you knew God was real and that he is impacting your life. That's where we're going, okay? Now, all of us somewhere, some, I don't know how many steps you've taken in, right? Some of you say, well, it's too cold for me. I'm going to stay back, like Heather was saying, you know? And you're going to think your Christian experience is boring. Well, why is it boring? Because you're not going. You're not getting closer to Jesus. But the point of the Gospel of John is what? To bring you to Jesus so that you will go to God. Because if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. And this is the whole point. Very significant in the sense that John is being very deliberate with the signs that we're going to look at here. There's actually seven I am statements. Now, I want to just share this. I am is a very significant phrase, even though it seems so insignificant, like the two most minor words in the English language. I am, you know? Very simple, very babyish almost. Except they bring to our understanding that they're going back to the Old Testament and helping us to understand that Jesus said, I am. He was referring to an Old Testament situation. We'll look at that in a moment. We talk about the penetration in the next section. But I want to first show you this progressive revelation of who God is, the way our faith is built up. I really hope all of us will never question when we go into a battle whether God's with us and we'll have that peace of God. We'll know he'll be with us. Notice here on your chart, there's seven I am statements. And notice the sequence. John 6, 48, John 8, 12, John 10, 9, 10, 11, John 11, 25, 14, 6, 15, 1. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He's the sustainer. He gives us all we need. If we could know Jesus as the bread of life, we would never need anything. It's just like Psalm 23. How's that, how's that begin, remember? The Lord is my shepherd. I, I have everything I need. It was one version. I shall not want. But the sense that I've got it all because I have Jesus. Jesus has me. You know, it, it's that sustainer. If you have come to know Jesus in this way, the real Jesus, that you don't need anymore. Now you say, well, I need to buy, I need, I, you know, I want this. I want. You know, if your life is being driven like that, you can see, you get to know, need to know Jesus more. So it's not these desires that control you. Instead, it's that sense of, wow, he'll take care of that. Uh, second of all, John 8, 12, I'm the light of the world, the illuminator. He brings energy of light into our dark world. Now, the light stands for a whole bunch of things. We'll get to these passages, by the way. But right now, we're just, you know, just skimming on the surface of the water. Uh, three, John 10, 9. I am the door, the mediator. He brings us where we otherwise could not go. You know, it, it's, well, I know sometimes you think, I can't find a job. You know, it's like no door. But, you know, he is the door. Door to life, but door to everything that we need. He can bring us into God's will and whatever we need. I'm the good shepherd, John 10, 11, the caretaker. He cares for us just like we need. And we all need someone to care for us. You say, well, I don't mind my dad. My mom's cooking here, and it's terrible. Um, already, I'm tired of the cafeteria food. But Ramesh is working on it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, but, you know, the whole point is, actually, 
He's there caring for us in ways that we never could see. But if you don't sense that care, you don't know Jesus enough. This is the progress of faith, the building up of faith. So this is where we can begin to spot how spotty or how little our faith is when we begin to identify those things that we're wrestling with. You know, adequacy, uh, provision, uh, help, support, guidance. It's the way. I am the way, the truth, the life. John 14, 6. 11, 25, I skipped over. I'm the resurrection of life, the life giver. He actually gives us salvation. He gives us what we never could have. And I am the true vine, the success maker. He makes us unbelievably, unbelievably productive. Uh, boy, uh, we have so much we could just pause and just begin to share all these. This is another day. But, you know, just to see, this is the power of John's gospel. It's progressive revelation. As we get to know Jesus, we begin to see how he's supposed to come in our life more. And he's, he is that. I'm, I'm the bread of life, for example. And, wow, what does that really mean? As we get to know him, we begin to understand that, and our faith is built up. So we can look, like, from God's perspective. Um, but for most of us, we're over here, you know, just, <laughs> I don't want to just take another step, I, you know. What's it like to get near God? And the Gospel of John is like that. And that's one thing that makes it so powerful. And let me just summarize the, uh, the points here in the John's Gospel. Thinking about the revelation of Christ's true nature, first of all, is knowing Christ is a step-by-step step set of experiences. It's not like, I believe, I have faith, that's it. It's not that at all. That is the entrance. That's the doorway, the threshold. But now, Christian life is defined by an unbelievable number of experiences of getting to know Him more. And that's why personal quiet time, devotions, is so important, because it maintains that relationship. And second of all, that regular experience of a changed life, it's the more I know Christ, the more my life is impacted or affected. The more I know Him. So if you think my life is dull, well, you can just say, I am at a distance with Christ. Maybe I don't even know him, but if I do know him, I'm still not there. I, I have a long way to go. Be, be able to admit this and be able to say, wow, God, I want to know you more through this time together. And uh, you might trace for yourself you know, how you've grown spiritually and write, start a spiritual journal, maybe even for the semester, but, or maybe for your life. You know, where you started, where you're growing, and where you stopped maybe. But you say, well, I, I want to go on. I want to go on. Yeah. So, so let me put it this way. I'm talking about the personal relationship. and that's, I'm, I'm, This whole class, I'm talking about John 20, 30, 31. To believing, right? That sense of relying on. So when we're talking about the first one is where we actually gain a faith in Christ and know, oh, Jesus is a Christ. He actually came to earth. Now what it means is, as we get to know him, the believing is that personal relationship. So as I spend time with him, I get to know him more. And he passes on what I need to know, the insight I need, the confidence I need to be able to make the decisions and carry them out in life. Okay? It's not so much that he's going to do these things for me. He is going to be there to help me to carry out the things I need to do. The penetration of the John's Gospel. Now, you have on page three a box with a lot of Hebrew letters. Okay? I want you to do something. And tell me who can do it first, all right? Raise your hand when you do it. Find three of the same words, okay? Hebrew words here. 
Okay, circle, you already found them? Oh, you cheated, right? You started early. Okay, all right. Okay, but find them, everybody find them, okay? Now you read from the right to the left, okay? Read from the right to the left, find three of the same words. Circle them, underline them, yellow them, whatever you want to do. Who, who's found it so far? We got one. Okay, the youth are ahead. They must have been done doing it while I was talking earlier. <laughs> yes, okay, good. Okay, that word is, um, by the way, it's translated right below in John 3.14. It says, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am who has sent me to you. So what's being repeated? I am. Okay, now I want to go back. We just talked about Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Now we want to think about this because it's important. Sometimes he just says, I am. What is Jesus referring to? He's going back to this incident, remember, before Moses. And he's describing who he is. Who are you? What am I going to say? And he says, well, this is who you're going to say when Moses is going to go before Pharaoh. I am what? Sent me. And what kind of name is that? But that's his name. Now, we know about this phrase, Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, in the Greek Bible, I mean, the uh, English, the Chinese Bible, excuse me, uh, in uh, several languages, they actually translate the I am as Jehovah or Yahweh in their own language. Yehovah, for example. In English, we don't do that. What do we do in English in the Old Testament when Yahweh is used? Okay, the Lord, how is it spelled? All capitals, yeah. So I want you to do this next week. When you're reading the Old Testament, I want you to read where there's Old Testament, all capitals in the Old Testament. And you'll see that that's the same word as Yahweh. They should have just put Yahweh in, uh, but they didn't do a very good job translating things. So we confuse it with another word for God, Lord, Adonai, and even another one, uh, which means something totally different. This is his name. I mean, how would you like to say, you know, your, your name is your title? No, it's not a title, it's your name. But I don't know why we would call him Lord when he actually has a name. He's saying, I want you to get to know me. Do you see, this is the point. And the Gospel of John is getting to know God through Jesus. Uh, we'll, we'll see this so much in John chapter 1, uh, where we, this is the whole point. If you see me, you know God, the Father. This is his point. It's a personal relationship. It's not a religion. This whole Christianity on the outside it's all a shell that often, and because it divorces itself from that personal relationship with God through Jesus. So what we find here is even in the New Testament, like in the Gospel of John, now I have uh, two phrases here, uh, times John's use. John 8, 58, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. See that phrase, I am? Now what do you think he's referring to? Now, that's Yahweh who revealed himself to Moses. Now, the I am has what type of uh, inference? It has an inference of, I never had a beginning. So he didn't come about when Moses met him. I already am. So, and this is the inference here that we find in Judah. So before Abraham was born, I am. So who, who predated Abraham? Jesus is saying this. Now, this is his claim. Maybe you don't believe, but this is what Jesus is claiming. You can't just be a casual believer in Christianity. If you really know the scriptures, either you follow Christ or you don't. You believe in him or you don't. Uh, because it, his, 
What he's saying is so strong. In John 18, 6, he says, When therefore Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, in the English, we put the word he, just to make it a little better sounding, but in the Greek, it's not there. It just says, I am. What happened when he said to the soldiers there? What happened? I am. All of a sudden, these soldiers, you know, with all their armor, they all fall down. You know, you see what's happening. When he portrays his power, all of a sudden, you know, what we have on earth, what we think is strong and powerful, becomes nothing, melts like wax. So this is the penetration of John's gospel. We want to understand that Christ is the full revelation of God to man, not partial, full revelation. It says in Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, as it says in Gospel John, uh, chapter 1. And if, for terms of our own experience, when I know Christ, I will eagerly worship him. I don't know about you, we just all came from a worship service, but was your worship real? I, I was still saying, wow, my worship is so shallow. And that's because my belief for God, it's like sometimes my computer, you know, it, the connection to the internet might come in or out, your telephone, in or out. It's like our faith kind of gets in and goes out. Sometimes we're closer to God, my worship is greater. Sometimes it's out and it's kind of fading. Do you ever sense that? Yeah, yeah I see the heads. On this side, no, no response. But, you know, there's that sense of eager worship. And this is where Christ wants to be, to be there. When we fully understand him, he causes that great uh, inner sense of worship to come about. Okay, uh, let's turn to the last uh, section here, the plan of John's Gospel. This is easiest uh, to talk about. Now, we're going to start with a chart here. Notice uh, it's, it really divides right down the middle. Not in sense of uh, there's 24 chapters, but the sense of the first part and the second part, 1 through 12 and 13 to 21, the chapters. The 1 through 12 is talking about the general revelation of Jesus. It's, it's trying to introduce who he is to the public. Uh, while on the right, it's more the specific revelation of Jesus. What happens when you get to know him? What does he say to you personally? There's a difference in a person speaking public and a person speaking privately to you. Uh, the first, John 1 through 12, talks about three and a half years of Christ's life. John 13 to 21 is one week of his life. In the first section of John 1 to 12, we have chapters 1 through 4, a personal ministry, 5 to 12, a public ministry. In chapters uh, 13 to 17, there's a private ministry and then a passion ministry. Passion by meaning when he gave his life up on the cross. So in John 1 to 12, we see all the seven signs that we talked about, the miracles, are there in the first part of the Bible. But the second part of John, not the Bible, John, uh, is that intimate sharing. You ever hear the upper room discourse? That's where it is. Tender words. Close words, serious words before he would die, and even after he came alive. So in the first part, he's introducing him generally to the public, while the second part, you can see he's coming aside with his disciples privately, encouraging them and helping them. You can see what John is trying to do. First, generally introduce Jesus to us, but then remind us, step closer. And this is where, you know, in one sense, it... it it's like the ocean. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how he's going to bring us closer. We don't know how he's going to reveal himself to us. We don't know those things. The first part of the Gospel of John, Jesus is speaking to whom he revealed himself. The second part, he talks about the way 
Christ revealed himself to others very personally, very specially and intimately. So as we close, I, I just want to think about some uh, application for this last part. Thinking about revelation of Christ's true nature, knowing Christ as the Son of God. You see, Christ's glory centers on his death and resurrection. It's like a pointer. Everything's focusing us. If you take the book of Isaiah, it is such a majestic book. It is, focuses right on Christ on the cross. The very middle of the last section of Isaiah focuses Christ right on the cross. It's an amazing, amazing section. Um, the closer I am to Christ, the more my life is affected. Isn't this what we've been saying? This is what John wants to help. That believing is an active thing. It's not a noun, like passive. It's not something I can just pick up, throw in my grocery cart, and go on and add some other things. It's not like that. He is not tame in that sense, like, you know, but he is unsearchable, unknowable. And that's what we would expect of God. If we could, but he is a way to know God more. And if we made our life as a quest to know God more through Jesus, then we would be very well going through the Gospel of John and finding what he has for us. The path, different, not very predictable in that sense, but in a sense of where he wants to bring us closer, more secure, more empowered, but as he says, more successful, like that vine producing more. This is where he's bringing us. And I am challenging you at the beginning of a semester, beginning of a year, you know, somewhere in your Christian life. From now on, could you not say that, wow, I, I would really like God to do something significant in my life through the semester. Could he teach me? Will you teach me? My Lord, you know, well, you ask him, right? Um, and bring me where I need to be. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time and just uh, really are so blessed that we have this Gospel of John that we can read, that we can know Christ, know you, O oh Father. We ask God that you would break away those blocks and obstacles in our path that hold us back from believing more in you, that we would grow in our faith, Lord, that we would take significant, very seriously, Lord, this, this challenge, Lord, to know you more. Please help us, Lord. And Lord, if we need a little kick or a little shaping, please help us there too. But Lord, help us, none of us, Lord, to be here, those who think it's just dull. But Lord, bring us into your presence that we might all the more know your great power, glory, and love. Bless us this time. Thank you for this class in Christ's name. Amen. This concludes our message on the overview of the Gospel of John including a discussion on the purpose, power, penetration, and plan of the Gospel of John by Paul Bucknell. This has been produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net.